Greetings, conversationalists. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson, and I am delighted to have you with me. The phone number is 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. Uh, we, we need to go to the courthouse in Atlanta, Georgia. There's a brutal cross-examination uh, with Nathan Wade on the stand. He's the special prosecutor in the relationship with Fawny Willis. Listen now, to some of this. As of May the 30th. If everybody's watching this. Ask the question that I, uh, okay, thank you, Your Honor. Um, as of May the 30th, 2023, you had had sexual relations with Miss Willis. Isn't that correct? The, the interrogatory, sir? Asks during the course of the marriage and the period of separation. Excuse me. My response, Your Honor, I would ask that the court direct the witness to answer my question, yes or no. As of May the 30th, 2023, had you or had, had you had sexual relations with Miss Willis? Yes, yes, Mr. Gillen, if, let's start with uh, at the higher level whether he, he believes he answered it truthfully, and then we can get, drill down into why or why not he doesn't. And maybe we'll end up exactly where you left us. Well, it, but again, Your Honor, the point of it is is that the words matter, and that we have to establish what did and did not happen, and then he can give whatever. Uh, explanation he chooses to to what apparently is a false answer but i would like an answer yeah. to my question and you may get one i just would ask i would like us to start at the high level before we drill down into specifics to see whether he actually contradicted That's that the judge talking. if i'm making sense well uh the interrogatory is rel relatively direct and explicit sexual relationships with a person other than your spouse during the course of the marriage including the period of separation that's pretty simple sure let's um, let's see if uh if that's something you can get him to admit. You did have sexual relationships with someone other than your spouse during the course of the marriage uh, and during the period of separation, which included up to May the 30th of 2023. Isn't that correct, sir? The, the, my answer to this interrogatory is none, is no. So you're saying that you did not have sexual relationships with anyone uh, outside of your marriage and the period of separation is during the period and you're answering the question to this interrogatory, correct, sir? I'm saying during the course of my marriage, I did not have sexual relations to anyone, and this answer is no. Well, again, Your Honor, I, I understand. Need, you can proceed, Mr. Gale. I need to. We need a yes or no. <clears throat> okay, let, let me just explain this to you. This is what's going on, and this is why it's relevant. We, we want to play this out. I'm, I'm pausing the audio. I'm buffering here. This is ongoing. This is Nathan Wade being asked by lawyers about his relationship with Fawny Willis. He says during the period of his marriage, he did not have sexual relations outside marriage. The problem is when you're separated, you're still technically married, and he's trying to dance around that. You can hear the lawyer understands Nathan Wade's trying to dance around it. Let's just get down to it. Did you or did you not, by May the 30th, <clears throat> 2023, have had sexual relations with Miss Willis, yes or no? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Now, <clears throat> what you did is you answered no to that question, didn't you? Or none, correct? I didn't answer no to the question you just asked. I answered no to the interrogatory question. And the interrogatory stands uh, that you answered as a pleading in a in a, uh, in a in a civil proceeding, your divorce case, right? Yes. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> excuse me. An interrogatory. In discovery, you get to ask each side. Each side gets to ask questions in writing. Those questions are called interrogatories. 
you have requests for production of documents where you get to request documents, and you have interrogatories, and the interrogatories are questions the other side has to answer truthfully. And they have three objections, that they are too broad, too vague, and too burdensome. Uh, they can also be completely unre- unrelated to the case. You can make that objection. Otherwise, you've got to answer these questions. And this question was about uh, when did he begin a relationship with Fawny Willis was during the course of his marriage, and he's trying to say no, except being separated, you're still technically married. The next interrogatory, let's move there. That interrogatory states as follows. Identify any and all occasions in which you entertain a member of the opposite sex other than your spouse who is not related to you by blood or marriage. Um, You see that? I do. uh, Now, uh, there are two parts to this. The second part is, I read on, or in which a member of the opposite sex other than your spouse, not related to you by blood or marriage, entertained you. And then it goes on to say, including but not limited to dining, drinking, in restaurants, bars, pubs, hotels. You see that, correct? I do. Now, as of May the 30th, 2023, when you filed this interrogatory, you had, in fact, entertained Ms. Willis on many occasions, had you not? Again, during the course of the marriage, the marriage was irretrievably broken in 2015. Oh, that's brutal. Uh, the marriage was irretrievably broken in 2015. He's still married. The, well, answer's, the answer's still no. Let's read what the interrogatory says about the time period required to answer the interrogatory. Because what it says is, uh, it goes on to say, including you, including but not uh, limited to dining and or drinking at any restaurants, bars, pubs, hotels, or persons' homes from the date of marriage to the present you understand what the word present means? I do. And present means the filing on May the 30th, 2023. Isn't that right? It is. So as of May the, tw- the 30th, 2023, you have done a lot, or you had done a lot of entertaining of Miss Willis, had you not? I had done some, yes. And in fact, under your testimony, um, you would have said that she had also entertained you. Isn't that correct? Yes. And so, oh, oh, hang on. Let's so your answer to this interrogatory is false, is it not, sir? No, it's not false. Uh, well, hate to dance around the. You, know, you, 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 you the answer is yes. You did entertain Miss Willis, correct? Right. Oh, yes. and he's smugly smiling. She's not. She's not uh, your spouse at that time or any time. See, okay. So what Wade is trying to do? Oh, this is too clever by half. The judges. Oh, the judge is not going to like this. So he's trying to redefine when he was or was not married. This is an amazing display in court in Atlanta, the arrogance of Fawny Willis and her boyfriend, Nathan Wade. Absolute arrogance. So Nathan Wade is asked, uh, during the course of your marriage until the present, did you entertain any woman outside your marriage or did any woman outside your marriage entertain you? And he answered no in the questions presented by court. But on the stand, he says, yes, as a matter of fact, he did uh, entertain Fawny Willis and Willis entertained him. And his rationale for saying no on the interrogatories, because if he admits it otherwise, he's lying because your interrogatories are under oath. 
And so he lied on the interrogatory. So what he's saying is actually, I'm going to redefine the question because it asks about my marriage to the present. Well, my marriage was, in his words, irretrievably broken in 2015. But he stayed married. He, they may have been separated, but under the law of the state, you're still married. You're still married, Mr. Wade. So to say you answered no, I never entertained any woman, and no woman entertained me, is a lie. The staggering arrogance of this, they want to go after Donald Trump when these people are just staggeringly arrogant. They, they want to go after Donald Trump for what they say was a conspiracy to steal an election and, and lies and whatnot. They're literally, like, on the stand, he's having to admit that in his divorce proceedings, he was not truthful in the documents. And the way he rationalized it was to say that actually my marriage was irretrievably broken, even though I stayed in the marriage. <laughs> now, compare this to Donald Trump's defense. Donald Trump's defense was, I was told by others the election was stolen Therefore, I believe the election was stolen. Therefore, I had an obligation to try to stop the steal. I mean, that's what's going on here. You, you, I mean, Donald Trump says the election was stolen, according to people. Nathan Wade says, I wasn't married, even though I legally was met the definition of marriage. I wasn't married because it was irretrievably broken. Therefore, I can say these things. That I mean, this is the wild. Uh, these people, the arrogance and hubris of it, they are... Uh, what they say Donald Trump is. It really is just a remarkable day in court in Fulton County, Georgia, as uh, Fawnie Willis's prosecution is completely unraveling at this point. And just, y'all, the arrogance of these people. Donald Trump has this unique superpower, and that is to get other people to behave exactly as they claim he behaves, not necessarily as he behaves, but as they claim he behaves, they do the same thing. Fawny Willis claims Donald Trump operated as if he was above the law and, and made inappropriate statements about stolen elections that weren't stolen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And now, guess what? Uh, here comes Fawny Willis, who operates as if she's above the law, and she and her special prosecutor make claims about his marriage that are in defiance of reality as a way to get around being truthful in a divorce proceeding. The arrogance is stunning. The hubris is phenomenal. They are undermining their entire case against Donald Trump. What is more likely than not, I, I will be stunned based on today's testimony. I will be stunned if this judge does not uh, remove Fawnie Willis from the case. I, I, I really, I, I will be stunned if he doesn't uh, because there have already been so many discrepancies, so many half-truths that have been exposed, so many twisting of facts to try to uh, claim you're not lying when you actually are. This is, is remarkable. What he should do is throw out the whole case. He should throw out the whole case to punish Fawnie Willis for her abuse of power. That's what you do to disincentivize future prosecutors from behaving the same way. You throw out the whole case. I don't know that he'll do that, though. At the very least, he should yank this case from Fawnie Willis and from Nathan Wade and refuse to allow them uh, to further prosecute this case and then throw her to the voters and let the voters decide how to handle the situation. This is a remarkable overreach.
remarkable, remarkable overreach by the prosecutor in Georgia being exposed. You know, the, 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 the irony, I've talked about this a little bit before, the real irony is they decided to prosecute the opposition researcher who turns out to be a very good opposition researcher. And because he's such a good opposition researcher, he got the opposition research on Fawny Willis to destroy her credibility. And we're seeing this in court today. It is just a, the exposure of the arrogance is just phenomenal to behold. They are undermining and destroying their credibility. They are undermining and destroying the grounds they have to prosecute the former president and all of his co-defendants. It is a remarkable thing to watch. It is very funny to watch. They will regret having brought this case. Actually, you know what? They won't. They, they will never, ever acknowledge they did anything wrong. They will scream racism, and they will scream abuse, and they will say the man was out to get him, and the man won. They will never, ever look in the mirror and reflect that maybe, just maybe, they were the arrogant ones who went too far. When the world seems crazy, he'll keep you sane. It's the Eric Erickson Show. Want to be on the show? Come on, be on the show. Call Eric now at 877-973-7425. Welcome. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I got a member of the U.S. Senate who's listening live, who is texting me as he listens to me and watches the hearing in the back. I can't read what he's saying. It'd get me in trouble on radio, but my goodness gracious, it is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> I mean, the, the the judge in this case, I'm just I'm just watching the judge in this case, and and it just it's it's the judge has got to be thinking, are you kidding me? Seriously, um, arrogance of these people, good grief! And now to him and Hall over over. The, the redefining uh, the legal standard of what a marriage is and when you're married is just unreal. Y'all, speaking of, a lot of people can prey upon uh, the distrust of the system of government we have. I think Tucker Carlson is doing that to some degree with his praise of Russia and Moscow. Um, he can see doubts in the system, and a lot of the doubts being seeded are justified to an extent because of the abuse of power and the ridiculousness of those in power. This is probably going to be the most ridiculous thing you've heard today. The United States Department of Justice under Joe Biden is suing the state of Tennessee under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Why? Because Tennessee has a law that prohibits prostitutes from knowingly transmitting HIV. That's right. Prostitutes get harsher criminal penalties if they knowingly transmit HIV than prostitutes who do not. 
And that is a violation of the Americans with Disabilities Act, according to the Justice Department, which has filed a lawsuit against the state of Tennessee to stop it from punishing people for knowingly transmitting HIV. If you want to understand why so many Americans do not trust our system of government, the Department of Justice, or the integrity of the system, look no further than something like this. The inmates have clearly begun to run the asylum, so why trust the asylum? What a wild thing. I'm looking at this right here. It, it literally is. Um, that they, they, they literally are filing a lawsuit under the Americans with Disabilities Act because uh, the aggravated prostitution statute um, punishes people who knowingly transmit HIV in the conduct of a sex act. That is just insane. Kristen Clark is the uh, head of the Civil Rights Division of the DOJ. Everyone said she was a wackadoo activist. Uh, conservatives tried to block her. The Democrats put her in charge. And this is where we are. This is absolutely insanity. She's living up to the reputation conservatives said she had. And Democrats will do nothing about it. Uh, that's why in November you really got to think twice before sitting out the election when you got wackadoo stuff like this. Recently, 10 regional banks have had their credit downgraded. Now they're going to keep racking up profits, and they might get a sweetheart bailout from the federal government and be sold to a mega bank that's too big itself to fail, so it'll get a bailout. My friends at Swiss America have been sounding the alarm about the secret war on cash and the assault on our freedoms. With interest rates the way they are, with banks teetering on collapse, with regional banks look like be about hard to hit, Swiss America wants to help you protect your hard-earned assets now. You need to go read their report, The Secret War on Cash, how government and corporations are colluding to try to steer you towards using plastic and not cash so they can control and regulate and monitor your spending habits. You can get their report for free by calling or texting 800-289-2646. The War on Cash includes digital forms of currency. It's spreading daily. You can get the report for free. Just mention my name, Eric Erickson, when you call or text 800-289-2646. That's 800-289-2646. You can also go to SwissAmerica.com slash Eric. That's SwissAmerica.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Message and data rates may apply. Smart, fearless, and occasionally funny. You're listening to The Eric Erickson Show. Breaking news, breaking news, pitchers and catchers have reported, this has nothing to do with Fonnie Willis and Nathan Wade, uh, pitchers and catchers have reported to spring training for baseball. We can, we, we, we're, we're in that terribly bleak period of time where there are no sports worth watching on TV other than ice hockey. You can still watch, you can watch ice hockey all year round the way that season lasts. But no football, at least we'll have baseball at some point soon. All right. To the phones, Andrew, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. Hey, what's up, Eric? This is your buddy Andrew from Instagram. Um, hey, uh, I just wanted to draw a comparison uh, to something that you said a minute ago between the Fonnie Willis folks and uh, Trump. I've noticed that if you live in an HOA, you always get little, you know, a little slip of paper telling you to pressure wash this or pressure wash right. that. Um you take a cruise to the neighborhood, you'll find that the president of the HOA is often a violator of all of the same things that they're citing everybody else for. Um, I can't help but to feel as if people don't like it when other people are doing things that 
they themselves are getting away with. Right. Yeah, look, you're right. The hypocrisy is just double standard. Uh, it is. It, it really is just ridiculous to watch this play out in court today with the arguments and the like. It, it's it's it is it is really funny. The the arrogance here of these two, they've completely undermined a, a case that under Georgia law could be a substance case. And, and this is something you got to understand, those of you outside of Georgia. The Georgia criminal RICO statute is broad enough that they probably could get Trump. Let me explain this one to you. Under Georgia's RICO statute, so RICO is a federal law that was opted, that Georgia embraced and broadened. It was designed to go after the mob, and then it began to be used after gangs. And what RICO, the premise of RICO, the theory of the law, is that if you have a group of people engaged in a criminal enterprise, and it's for a common purpose, all of those people can be charged with completely unrelated crimes so long as all of those crimes were engaged in the common purpose, the common conspiracy. So in this case, Fawny Willis alleges the conspiracy, the common crime, was to overthrow the lawful and legitimate election in Georgia. So one of the guys pled guilty to uh, harassing an election worker in the state of Georgia. It was it was a crime. He pled guilty to, to that crime. He harassed inappropriately an election worker. Donald Trump didn't ask him to. Donald Trump didn't inspire him to. Donald Trump didn't push him to. Donald Trump didn't do it. Donald Trump didn't participate in it. He wasn't there. But under RICO, because it was one of the many crimes used to carry out the overarching conspiracy to steal the election, Donald Trump is charged with that crime. You can say it's unconstitutional, but it's not. That's the beauty of RICO. It's perfectly legal to do. If you know and I know uh, the mob, the way the mob works, uh, it, it, take the old school New York mob. Some of them worked the harbor. Some of them shook down the local businesses for extortion. All of it was this larger criminal enterprise of the mob's operations, and they were all individually different crimes. But under RICO, you could tie them all together and say this is all part of the same criminal enterprise. They're doing different little crimes, but it's all tied to the larger criminal enterprise. That's what they're doing with Donald Trump here. They're saying that, no, Donald Trump didn't encourage the guy to go harass the, the election worker, but the guy knew he needed to harass the election worker to advance the criminal conspiracy. And then some other people went down to South Georgia, and they looked into um, the electronic voting uh, machines, and they were given access to stuff they weren't supposed to be given access to. And that was a – they say that's a crime. Donald Trump wasn't there. He didn't participate. But it all went to the overarching criminal conspiracy to steal the election. All of these individual pieces were portions of a whole, and Donald Trump can be tied to all of them because he was at the center of the overall conspiracy to steal the election. You can disagree. You can say it's not true. That's their theory of the case. And because Georgia's RICO law is so much broader than the federal RICO law, they have a real opportunity to, to prove it, to show it. It's a real substantive case. I've said all along the two most substantive cases were the classified documents case in Florida and the Georgia case. And the Georgia case is only a substantive real case because of Georgia's RICO law. Some of you said, Erickson, how do you know anything about it? I was a lawyer in Georgia. I used the RICO law. The RICO law can be used civilly or it can be used criminally. 
I used the RICO law in a case over a, a used car dealership that was forging documents, inappropriately repossessing cars, things like that, uh, doing all sorts of things, and it was uh, part of a larger enterprise. The guy ultimately went to jail for the stuff. Uh, but I represented some clients who sued civilly, and it's a very complicated statute. You can use it criminally. You can use it civilly. You can take all sorts of individual acts. So in my case, uh, there was one car dealership that was um, it, it was giving people cars. They were sending all of them to get the car loans from a particular financial lender. The lender would then repossess cars. There were a, documents were changed in the process, so people thought they were getting one interest rate. Turns out they were actually getting another interest rate, and all of this stuff was tied to a common enterprise. the 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 uh, The lender was in on it, the car dealership was in on it, even a a local politician was in on it, and we were able to sue, and we were able to to get a lot of money back. And the guy ultimately went. All of the people involved ultimately went to jail. Moral of the story is: don't repossess the local sheriff's daughter's car. Uh, that yeah, that was the punchline. That's, that's one of the cars that was repossessed. That started the whole thing is they repossessed the local sheriff's daughter's car. Uh, and <laughs> he got a little bit suspicious, uh, and, and the whole thing went off the rails. But uh, Rico is 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 civil and criminal. This is criminal. Uh, so you actually even in, in criminal cases you have a a reasonable doubt standard, a higher standard than I had in the civil case. But when you string all these things together, so you've got a, a plea deal over harassing uh, the the. Um, the, the poll watcher, poll counter in Fulton County. You've got a criminal guilty plea over checking on the uh, electronic voting machines in South Georgia. You've got a couple of other criminal pleas. Now, none of them actually pled, interestingly enough, under the RICO statute. But they could all be strung back to Trump. It was a substantive case, and it has completely come off the rails because of the unbridled arrogance of Fawny Willis, and her boyfriend, Nathan Wade, who have tried to cover up. Nathan Wade, by the way, says he wasn't in a relationship in 2020 due to the pandemic and a cancer battle and the need for sterile conditions. He, he says he, he, he wasn't in a relationship. Fawny Willis's old roommate and friend who, and colleague says they started their sexual relationship in 2019. Given the fact that um, Willis and Wade have been so dishonest the whole way through this, I don't necessarily know that the judge is going to believe them in that. I just don't know that they're going to be willing to do that. Now, we need to move on from here because there's a lot of other news out there today that we need to cover. And one of those things that we need to cover is the immigration battle at, at the border. You know, I, I'm kind of of, in, of the mind that we should help Ukraine and Taiwan and Israel, but we also should secure the border. And it's notable that the progressives in the White House have been dragging their feet on all of this. You know, contrary to Joe Biden's claims about wanting to help Ukraine, Joe Biden's uh, team at the White House has actually been dragging their feet pretty substantially. Joe Biden's team at the White House has has dragged their feet on giving Ukraine weapons and tanks and airplanes and so much more. They've been giving lip service to wanting to help Ukraine. Uh, a buddy of mine in the Senate says that there's a growing theory in the Senate the Biden administration has kind of uh, given up on Ukraine. And they're dragging their feet, but they're trying to blame, set it up to blame the Republicans. They've been also dragging their feet on helping Taiwan. They claim they wish to help Taiwan. But they haven't actually wanted to do anything substantive with Taiwan. 
And the progressives, they want an open border. They don't actually want to help any of our allies. Uh, and it's notable that there are those on the right who are siding with the left when it comes to uh, foreign policy, but are still adamant of closing the borders, and they should be. What I find interesting is these conversations at CNN where they're really starting to acknowledge there's been this crisis all along and had Republicans not done what they did, including Greg Abbott sending illegal aliens to blue states that we could have still the media, not we, but the media could have been convinced still that this was just some sort of fever dream of the right. This is David Chalane, the political director of CNN an issue the way Tom Swazi did in this district. It worked for him there. Uh, there does seem to be a bit of a divide inside the Democratic Party about how to grapple with this immigration issue. But you're right. It is going to be a front and center issue. We normally think of it, I think, in the past, John, like that it's just an issue for the right wing echo chamber. But the, the whole movement that Greg Abbott did and what have you to bring the migrant issue and crisis to cities, to blue states and cities, that has changed the calculus here. I, you see this issue rising in importance for all voters. For what personal yes. romantic? Yes, you, you, you've treated it as a non-issue for anyone other than the right. And in fact, it's a significant issue for every voter now that they all get to see it. Here's Van Jones also on CNN. There are two different kinds of disorder and dysfunction. Um, I think the Republicans have been trying to look at the disorder and dysfunction at the street level and talk about crime and talk about immigration, tie the two together and talk about that. The problem is, in power, they look like the disorder and the dysfunction. What they're doing in D.C. every day looks disordered and dysfunctional. And so I think Democrats are going to start pointing that out. And because they ginned up the issue of immigration, Republicans took it. Nobody was talking about immigration this time last year. It was all abortion. Republicans successfully took that issue from the margin to the center, dropped the ball, and then lost an election on it. That's where the, that Republican Party is. He's actually not wrong on that. Uh, Republicans had a winning issue with their position on abortion. They dropped the ball on that. But on immigration, they, they've got a noticeable issue. They've got a, a winning issue on immigration. Uh, they've got a winning issue on Joe Biden's age. They've got a winning issue uh, if they can message it right on abortion, too. They've got to pay attention to now, okay, I, I gotta I gotta read this to you guys. This is insane. This genuinely, this is insane. Uh, this is from the uh, the financial advice columnist for uh, New York Magazine's The Cut. On a Tuesday evening this past October, I put fifty thousand dollars in cash in a shoebox, taped it shut as instructed, and carried it to the sidewalk in front of my apartment. My phone clasped to my ear. Don't let anyone hurt me, I told the man on the line, feeling pathetic. You won't be hurt. Just keep doing exactly as I say, he answered. Three minutes later, a white Mercedes SUV pulled up at the curb. The back window will open, said the man on the phone. Do not look at the driver or talk to him. Put the box through the window, say thank you, and go back inside. The man on the phone knew my home address, my social security number, the names of my family members, and that my two-year-old son was playing in our living room. He told me my home was being watched, my laptop had been hacked, and we were in imminent danger. I can help you, but only if you cooperate, he said. His first order, I could not tell anyone about our conversation, not even my spouse, or talk to the police or a lawyer. Now I know this was all a scam, a cruel and violating one, but painfully obvious in retrospect. Here's what I can't figure out. Why didn't I just hang up and call 911? Why didn't I text my husband or my brother who's a lawyer or my best friend who's a lawyer or my parents or one of the many other people who would have helped me? 
Why did I hand over all that money, the contents of my savings account, strictly for emergencies without a bigger fight? When I've told people this story, most of them say the same thing. You don't seem like the type of person this would happen to. What they mean is that I'm not senile or hysterical or a rube. Apparently so. These young these stereotypes are actually false. Younger adults are 34% more likely to report losing money to fraud compared to those over 60, according to the FTC. This woman was convinced that something had happened and the CIA was involved and they wanted her to give $50,000 away. And she did it. She's a financial columnist. And it's kind of her to tell us all what happened to her. But my goodness gracious, the New York Magazine's personal financial columnist was convinced by a cold caller claiming to be a CIA agent at Langley that she needed to empty her bank account, put it in a shoebox, and give it to a random stranger driving by the house. Uh, if it can happen to her, I guess it can happen to the rest of us. But, dear God, um, maybe, maybe not. Maybe she needs to rethink an advice column. Now, i got to tell you before I get out here about Americans for Prosperity because they are putting points on the board for school choice around the country. You know, so I'm here in Georgia. Let me tell you what AFP is doing. They've got billboards around the state in districts where Republicans are opposed to school choice. And the the billboards have Brian Kemp, the popular governor's face on them, because Brian Kemp has called for school choice. And they want people to know their local Republican representative is opposing the governor and school choice, which is deeply popular with Republicans in these districts. And then they've got volunteers going door to door in these districts, telling people that their state representative is opposed to school choice, raising the alarm, raising awareness with Republican voters. And it's working. They're converting Republicans in the legislature. This is the sort of stuff Americans for Prosperity does. All you have to do to join them is go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Go sign up with Americans for Prosperity. They'll teach you how to be an effective conservative activist, to put points on the board for the right, to put points on the board for school choice, energy reform, common sense deregulation, tax reform. It's what they do, and they want you on their side. Over 4 million people are on their side right now. Americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Go sign up with Americans for Prosperity today. Become a more effective conservative activist. Fight for school choice in your own community with Americans for Prosperity. You can follow Eric around on social media at E.W. Erickson on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. And check him out at EWerickson.com. Get the podcast, live stream, email, and social media links by texting Eric to 33777 now. Breaking news, Fawny Willis, the district attorney in Fulton County, Georgia, has withdrawn her objection to testify in the case and is willing to take the stand. This is... Caroline Polisi, she is a legal analyst on MSNBC who's been watching this whole thing play out. You're watching MSNBC's special coverage of the trials of Donald Trump. You were just listening to a hearing in Fulton County, Georgia, this hearing to determine whether DA Fonnie Willis and lead prosecutor Nathan Wade should be disqualified. On the stand just now, Robin Yerty, she managed public relations at the DA's office. 
And joining us now, Charles Coleman, civil rights attorney, Caroline Polisi, federal and white-collar defense attorney, uh, and uh, senior FBI official, and of course, the former U.S. attorney, Chuck Rosenberg, who's going to be with us in just a, a minute. But Caroline, I just we've all been watching this, and it's, it's so legalistic-centric and yet so important and fascinating. Right. Don't let the legalese fool you. This is epic. This is monumental. If things are going in the direction we think, uh, Fonnie Willis lied to the court, it's game over for her. She will be disqualified. Um, if they had a relationship prior to when they uh, represented to, to the court, it's it's a huge deal. I, I can't overstate it. And do you feel the same way, Charles, based on the testimony of what we just heard? And we just learned Nathan Wade, who is the special prosecutor in this case, walked in the courtroom. He is being sworn in to testify now about this issue. Yeah, it is a huge deal, y'all. The arrogance of Fawnie Willis and Nathan Wade to think they could get away with this. Um, Again, if you haven't heard this uh, from this morning's trial, this is uh, Fawnie Willis's uh, friend, former colleague, and roommate. For what personal and romantic is later. When I ask you personal, do you take that to mean romantic? Yes. And do you understand it, that their relationship began in 2019 and continued until the last time you spoke with her? Yes. Their relationship began in 2019, according to her friend. That directly contradicts Fawnie Willis, who now has to take the stand in order to dispute it, but has already been exposed as lying to the judge. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. 